Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a Fantasy NBA Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Brett Barr, joined as always by my co-host, the birthday boy, Travis Fuller. Oh yeah, staying, uh, I got my list my last year in my 20s, so looking forward to a, another good year and another good basketball season. Bulls look really sharp yesterday in their first preseason game, and that uh, that ticket I got for them winning the championship at 70-1 to is looking pretty good right now. Yeah. We're going to overreact to some preseason basketball. Absolutely. Uh, you know I'm going to. <laughs> well, the Pacers <laughs> lost by 30, and so it's probably time to blow it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's our preseason overreaction for this episode. So a couple pieces of news that we have to get to. Kyrie's status is still up in the air, and the report from the team and from Shams was not encouraging. It was basically deciding whether or not they were going to accommodate him being a part-time player because he can't actually practice for the team. And uh, for Dynasty, don't sell because you're going to get nothing. But if you're drafting, I mean, in redraft leagues, I've seen him go after the 60s. And I think that that's about right if he's not going to play half the games. But in Dynasty drafts, I don't know how you value Kyrie. Yeah, it's really tough. And we'll, you know, what what did he go in our draft? I think he went in the third. Yep, third round. He went 33rd. Now, obviously, that's kind of before all this information came out even more so. Um, remember the same thing, Wiggins, we heard that from him, and, and he ended up being okay for this year and moving forward. So Kyrie could also do the same thing. But it is extremely difficult to evaluate him right now in a startup, especially a player of his caliber who typically goes – in a 12 team, he's going to go in that third round within that 25 to 35 range. So it's it's extremely tough to evaluate him. As Rhett said, if you own him, you, you just have to hold him right now and, and take your licks and see just just see what happens. In a startup, though, I, I tend to stay away from him anyway just because of the type of player he is and the stuff that he does. I just He's not dependable for me, and I don't like that. Um, but, man, he can be so good when he is healthy and playing. And I'm sure some of you might be wondering, it's like, Rhett, that seems a little hypocritical. You were telling us to buy low on Wiggins and to draft Wiggins at value and go get him, like, blah, blah, blah. Kyrie is just different. He's and there's, different. there is no telling what he's going to do. And he's also shown to be unpredictable. And for somebody who is going to be my second, third, fourth best player on my dynasty roster – I don't really know about that. If he's my fourth best, depending on how the rest of my draft went, like if I if I had Harden and then Dame and then I took Vooch and then Kyrie was on the board at the turn, I would probably still take Kyrie because I can count on him being my fourth best player and hoping that he just ends up getting the vaccine or works something else out. So 
Yeah. I'm really somebody that, that really sticks to his convictions. Yeah. You know, we've seen that in the past where he, he really does stay true to who he is and what he believes. Um, so that that's the, the kind of part that has me a little uneasy. Moving on, Trevor Ariza out eight weeks with an ankle. He's getting reevaluated. Cue the Lakers old man retirement home jokes. Um, this doesn't really do that much to me. I didn't see him. That entire wing rotation with all of those players was going to be inconsistent as it was. This just makes it a little bit less crowded, but not enough to the point where it increases that much fantasy relevance. And if you were relying on Trevor Ariza, even in your 30 team leagues, then I I guess this is bad news for you. I don't know who's going to take that spot. They'll probably go with Carmelo, but regardless, I think the biggest winner is THT Taylor Horton Tucker, just because they can move LeBron to that power forward spot. And and that can give some minutes to THT. He's probably the most dynasty relevant player um, as far as who this injury would affect so hopefully he can get a little bit more minutes for you early on and, and increase his value. A couple more pieces of news. One that just really hurts my heart, and that is Edmund Sumner was traded to the Brooklyn Nets and then cut from the Indiana or from the Brooklyn Nets, but he's traded from the Pacers. And then some other people might be hurt because Sekou Dumboya was also traded and cut. And that's two guys in deeper leagues that I know got drafted that people had hope for. I definitely had hope for Edmund Sumner, but that torn Achilles. And now he is probably definitely out of the league this year. We'll see for next year. Seku is three years away from being three years away. It seems like, and it'll, if the Houston Rockets don't have a spot on their roster to try and figure him out, it'll be tough to see another team making that move. I remember drafting Seku two years ago. I think I took him in the third round. You did. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a, he was a guy like, man, Detroit has no wings. This guy could get some minutes right away. And and boy, was I was I off on that. <laughs> <laughs> he got minutes. He was just not good. Uh we'll we'll hold out. Maybe uh maybe he can make a comeback in the future. Maybe he needs to play overseas a little bit and come back. But who knows? He's a guy that you can it's probably safe to say that you can cut him. I'm leaving team. Edmund Sumner on my IR. Just pour one out for the guy because that's just a rough break. But We're here to finish up our mock draft conversation. We are going to do round six through 14 today. And then we'll, we'll talk about the results of the league and all that stuff, but we're going to start round six with the pick that started round six. And that was Draymond green at 61 to uh, Jackie Daytona. And that is early in a vacuum. But if you Remember, this is the guy that took James Harden and Dame Lillard 12 and 13. And so then he took Vooch and Miles Turner at 36 and 37. So he's very much win now. And Draymond is a great player to be taking for a win now team. And he's definitely not going to be there. I shouldn't say definitely. It's very unlikely that he'll be there at 84, 85 when it's his next turn to pick. So sticking with your guns. Dig, digging into your build and taking a guy that will give you value along your core player's timeline. I don't hate it. Yeah, definitely early, as you mentioned. But at the, at the same time, when you've committed to already winning now, which he did as soon as you took Harden and Lillard there at, tw- at 12 and 13, uh, from there, you know, evaluations change dr- drastically. And 
Uh, this is one of those cases where you're going to take a player like Draymond early when you don't think you're going to get him back because of what he can provide. And if you look at the way he built his team, uh, taking Harden and Lillard, and then he went out and got uh, Vooch and Turner for blocks, got a couple bigs there. Uh, so getting Draymond was was really a slam dunk for that team to add to the steals and assists that uh, he he needed to kind of shore up there after taking two bigs. Without a doubt. So then moving on to pick 66 was you and a guy that I was talking to you about taking last pick at pick 55, who just slid all the way down the board to you, McCall Bridges. Yeah, this was a no-brainer. I didn't really want Bridges at this pick. I honestly didn't even think he'd be there. My All that was... whining about getting forwards and you didn't want to take McCall Bridges. <laughs> he wasn't even really on my radar. Uh, I was considering Karis LeVert, but at that time I was on my phone when I was making this pick and I thought LeVert was only guard eligible and not forward eligible. So I thought, you know what, Bridges, this is a good value pick. He's one of those players, and I mentioned this to you as soon as I, I took him, and just kind of looked at his stats and and just kind of looked at some of his tape. And he's a guy that just really grows on you. He's not flashy. He's not someone that you're going to be just in love with to have on your team. But when you do have him on your team, he's a hard guy to part with and, and just somebody that you know is going to help you every single night he's on the court. No question. And that's kind of why I was telling you to pick him is because he's just a solid player. He's not sexy, but... That falls in line with the player that I took at pick 69, Rashawn Holmes, which I was considering taking Rashawn Holmes at 52, but I decided to go through Holiday. So for him to be there 17 picks later, Rashawn at 69 is an extremely nice value, and I was very happy to get him and boost my blocks a little bit more, uh, as I mentioned last episode, being a little bit behind on that for my build. Yeah, excellent pick for your build, and we have him ranked 59th in our uh, most up-to-date rankings, so great value as well. A couple picks to note in the sixth round, uh, Kawhi Leonard went number 62. I know he's a player that's uh, somewhat tough to evaluate right now in startups on where he should go. We have him kind of right around 60th in our rankings, so that was kind of spot on, but it is a great value pick if you're um, going, in this case, it was... um, Matt Lawson, shout out to him. It's a great pick, good value. I know Matt, he started his team off going really young. And then all of a sudden he said, Kawhi's there. I got to take him. It's a guy that he can stash away for this year, let him build his value back up and and get some players back in return once he's healthy and, and put him on the trade market. It was really funny because I mentioned last episode how Matt, went just ultra young and then all of a sudden takes Kawhi Leonard with a degenerative knee issue and torn ACL right now at pick 62, but there's value in that. So it makes sense. Another pick that we liked was LeBron James going 71. Uh, I also was drafting on my phone and I was so keyed in on Rashawn that I just didn't take LeBron, even though I was win now. And I, if I had to do it over again, I would, probably take LeBron there instead, but LeBron going 71, he could have gone at 51. He could have gone 61, 71, and wouldn't have been surprised by any of it. So just a, just a quick little note on him about the value that there can be had for a win down team at that point. Then we get a little bit funky. We've been talking about where some of these young players go and there is not a better example of that than the seventh round in this dynasty mock draft because Alfred Sangoon 
went 73, Isaiah Stewart went 74, and Poku went 75. And I I mean, those were guys that were picking in front of me, so I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I get them off the board <laughs> and let me take somebody that I want. There was no chance I was going to take them at 76. But, man, you're just – that's your seventh best player. Yeah, the hype train was was definitely rolling once we got into the seventh round. It was – it was time in everybody's heads to start taking some chances on players. Uh, Giddy went 82 as well in that round. Pat Will at 83. So definitely a lot of young, high upside players being taken, which left some value for both you and myself with you um, at 76, as you mentioned, taking Chris Paul and, and stopping the, the pick of youth. Yeah, there was no chance I was going to take a young player at that point. And I said in the chat when I – Took when I was making this pick, I was like, man, I don't like this because it's just early for Chris Paul. And no one cares about Chris Paul. I was the only one in this draft that was probably considering Chris Paul, except that Jackie Daytona was back there with two picks at 84, 85, and should have absolutely been taking Chris Paul had he been available. The other guy I was considering uh, was Jared Allen, who was still on the board at 76, went two picks later at 78, but Considering he just got absolutely baptized by John Collins, <laughs> I, I I don't want to just keep him on IR the entire season. He went up, contested the shot. He got DeAndre Hunter earlier in the game. Jared Allen is not afraid to go up and try to block a shot, but boy, did that. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, definitely go check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, pretty pretty big time dunk there by, by John Collins. Uh, my pick, I was at 79, and as I mentioned previously, I was between McCall Bridges and Karis LeVert at my previous pick, and it just so happened LeVert was still there for me at 79, so I had definitely definitely snagged him here and put him in my forward spot, as Rhett reminded me that he is indeed a forward, so that was great value for me to get him there. Uh, that was probably, in my opinion, my favorite pick in this entire draft was Levert falling all the way back to me at my next pick at 79. I know he has a little bit of a health issue right now with his back, but I'm not too, too concerned with that. I think he's going to really play well for the Pacers this season. No question. And it's funny because you were talking about taking a guy like Miles Bridges who end up going one pick after you because he was forward eligible. I was like, dog, I, I'm pretty sure Karras is forward eligible, and sure enough, he was. And so, thankfully, you didn't have to wait another another round before realizing your mistake because he almost certainly would not have been there. In round eight, Mitchell Robinson going 87 was kind of a surprise. That's a little bit later than what I've seen him go in most of these mocks. Another guy that I was considering but didn't want to take just more of a block specialist than anything I figured I could get some blocks later. I will tell you that I almost did not because of some players that uh, people in this mock knew that I liked and took way earlier than they should have. You know who you are, and we'll talk about you later. Um, and then you took Marcus Smart at 90, which is another guy I could have penciled in at that exact spot the moment you took Trey Young early. Love yep. it. But then Keldon Johnson went 91, and... I'm not going to say it's the worst pick of the top 100, but just, I just don't trust his fantasy game. Yeah. I, I really disliked that pick at the time. I, I know in the, in these rounds, like eight, nine, 10, if you really like a young player that you, you almost have to take them because you just never know where they might go. It's, it kind of gets to be a really random, especially for young players. You just never know who other guys might like a lot. So I understand the need to take him, but 
I agree with you. I actually like Devin Vassell more as a dynasty asset, um, both now and moving forward, more than Kellen Johnson, and, and that's reflected in our rankings. Uh, I, I know Kellen Johnson's going to get the minutes. They're going to be there. Pop really loves this kid. Uh, and he was he's shown some flashes, especially early last year. But his his overall game and his skill set, I don't know how that's going to translate to to fantasy numbers. And I know that's kind of always been the drawback from from your perspective as well, Rhett. Yeah, for sure. The interesting part is that the same manager who took Kelvin Johnson at 91 took Sadiq Bay at 102. And had they flip flopped those picks it probably wouldn't have been as big of a deal to me because I think Sadiq Bey is a better fantasy player than Keldon Johnson, has more opportunity than Keldon Johnson. And so that is just one of those things where if you flip the picks, it's not nearly as bad. And they got he got both guys, so it doesn't really matter. But it just seems like the opportunity cost of taking a guy like Keldon who just isn't that fantasy friendly, despite having like 28 minutes a game of opportunity last year, maybe he'll prove us wrong this year. But my pick in the eighth round, I did not like it. Remember earlier when I was talking about not having blocks, I took Jakob Pertl and it just, I don't like it. I, I just don't like it. I don't know if he's a long-term answer as a big for a team like San Antonio, but you know, it is what it is. Those are the situations you do get into once you establish the punt um, that you are in. It's just you get into that situation and in that spot where you look at all the players around there and it's just nobody really fits. Uh, if I was in that spot, I would have taken Wiseman, but then you're a win now team. So that doesn't make any sense. I had at all no either. room on my roster for Wiseman. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just a really tough spot to be in where you're, you're a win now. This is my build. There's a very small select group of players that you could have taken there. And what's funny is I also found myself in a situation like the guy who took Kelvin Johnson as Sadiq Bay because my next pick was at 100 and Jonas Valanciunas was still on the board at pick 100. And if I flip-flop those, I probably feel a little bit better at taking Poitel at 100 instead of 93. But man, what is it with J-Val that had him drop like 40-something spots? Uh, this, I mean, this entire mock draft, just I think it was just youth. I mean, we had... I don't know the exact number, but at least half the teams were going really young, more of a rebuild style um, in this mock, probably more than half, honestly. And that, that just caused some of these vets to drop. I mean, that same ninth round, uh, DeMar DeRozan went 101, and he's a player that would typically go inside that top 100 in, in most 12-team mock uh, startup dynasty drafts. So just a lot of vets that, that fell, and there was definitely some value to be had picking them up as you did in these later rounds. So looking at the results from the draft, half the teams are 25 and younger for their average age, which is just, that seems about right, but it's also Matt Lawson's average age was 21.5. And that's, <laughs> and that's with Kawhi Leonard out there being 30 years old, 23.2, 24.1, 23, 25, 25. So like there's just a really – a good mixture of win now and extreme rebuilding, but also just leaning on the younger side of things. Another pick in round nine that was interesting was the Anthony Melton going 97. And I like Melton. I went out and traded for Melton in a couple of my leagues over this summer, but that seems really aggressive for a guy that just has not been able to get a, 
consistent role. And obviously, if we're going to overreact to some preseason, he did play really well in his his only preseason game, I think, and it didn't even get to finish. So he played like 19 minutes, had 15 points, five assists, a steal, three threes, something like that. I don't know the exact box score, but regardless. So he had a good game, but that does not make me that encouraged for Melton at pick 97. Our rankings, I, I feel like both of us are, you especially, are, are higher on Melton than pretty much anybody else. And we have him ranked at 112, and we're very high on him. So this was a little bit of a of an early pick. But again, we look at the spot that he picked him at, and it on was the turn. on the turn. So it's, it's again, one of those where you, you just really can't fault the guy for taking him there when you know he's not coming back to him. So... Uh, I think that's that's the biggest takeaway from this is, yes, he went 97, but uh, probably not coming back to him. And if that's your guy, you always got to go get him. Especially on the tail end of that turn, because his next pick would have been 120 and it would have been surprising for Melton to be there at that point. So no shade on the DeAnthony Melton pick in round nine. You took Chris Boucher at 103. You and your Raptors power forward slash centers as your only bigs on this entire team. Were you hoping for Sadiq Bey to be there? Did you have another guy in mind or were you just, did you just like what Boucher brought? So this whole entire draft, everything was falling in place for me. Every guy that I really wanted in my queue was there when I was up to pick, except for this round. This was the only round I got sniped. And that was Sadiq Bey going at 102. I had him in the top of my queue. I really wanted him. He's a great fit for my build and he's, still very young. And I like, like you mentioned earlier, I think he's just a really good player and somebody that can continue to get better. Uh, but unfortunately he did not make it back to me. I was kind of at a loss on who to go with here. I liked Vassell a lot, but I just, I, I wanted a player that could help me out a little bit more than what Vassell is going to be able to do this year and, and possibly next year. So Boucher was still there at one Oh three. I think that's really good value. He was a top 40 player last year and he only played 24 minutes a game. We know that Raptors front court isn't very strong. Uh, so even with his injury, I think he comes back and can maintain at least 24 minutes a game. And we know what he can do in that short amount of time. So getting a guy that's more than likely going to be inside the top 60 uh, as far as this year and, and probably next year as well at the 103, I'm pretty comfortable with that and felt like it was just a good pick at the time, even though he's maybe not the, the best fit for my build. Vassell went 106, and I mean, I don't hate it. It's a little bit earlier than we have him ranked, but again, with how youth-heavy a lot of these picks were, it makes some sense. What does not make sense is that same manager, Will, you know what you did, and you took Nerland's Noel at 111. That's I, I could chalk Nerland's Noel onto my team. Like I already had him in there. I had the starter spot open. I knew I was going to put him in there because I didn't think there was any way someone would take him before 117, which was my next pick. And Will did it. And after the draft, he's like, man, it doesn't seem like my team has a direction. Well, Will, that's why. Because you took a pick just to spite me and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nerland's, I mean, a lot of it is too is just, um, us knowing that Mitchell Robinson, we don't know how long he's pretty much out indefinitely right now. So uh, that could be in the back of a lot of people's minds as he well. He has but... Mitch Robinson. He took him at Wade seven, so he just <laughs> well, got he the wanted, handcuff. He wanted the insurance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's round, round 10 was still good to you, though. It was. So this was in the midst of all of the vaccination uncertainty with a guy, Andrew Wiggins. I got it 117. 
And Wiggins is a guy that I almost never draft because he's just a guy that just like, eh, I just look over him and what he can do. But at 117, this man, like he is a top 100 dynasty asset. He's 26 years old. He can score. He gets you a steal. He gets you a block. He gets you a handful of assists, boards. He's just good across the board. Free throw percentage is a little bit iffy and field goal percentage may be a bit fluky. He might be back down to the 43, 44% that his career has typically been at versus the 46, 47 that he's shown in Golden State. But even still, I'll take I'll take Wiggins at 117 and be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, great value. They're probably the best. Might have been your best pick in the draft as far as value goes. Uh, Jay Val at 100 we'll maybe, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, either one. My pick, not going to talk about too much, Devontae Graham, another guy in this build that you just pencil in and move on. Absolutely, without question. Moving on to round 11, Buddy Heald went at 126, which is another guy who's about 40 spots back, 30, 40 spots, depending on how you want to look at it from where he is in our dynasty rankings. Sniped you a little bit. I took TJ McConnell at 124. I looked at Basketball Monster, the projections, and I knew I was behind in assists and steals, and I... I was hoping for Markel Fultz at this point because that's just my typical punt free free throw guard option in the 120s, but he did not make it to me. So I took TJ McConnell at 124. It is very early relative to where he will go in most mocks, but with the way my team was set up to contend in the next three, four years, I am perfectly content taking TJ McConnell anywhere from 120 to 150 if you really need those assists, steals, and decent field goal percentage. Yeah, no doubt. A little bit of a reach, as you mentioned, but for your build and what you needed, um, he's not somebody you want to chance. My next pick was 141 as well. So, yeah, so, yeah. And and I, I'm in the same boat in this round. I mean, I reached a decent amount to get the guy I wanted as well, and that's what you do in these later rounds is you go out and get the guy you want. And for me, that was M- Matisse Tybel. I didn't really need the steals at the time, but he's somebody I just really like his game. And and again, he's not a sexy player, but he's one of those guys when you have him on your team, you know the value he can bring to your team on a nightly basis. And he's somebody that is really hard to get, in my opinion. I've I've tried to get him now in both our leagues, and he's just really tough to to trade for because you don't want to give up a lot of value for him. But the owners typically do want a lot of value for him because, again, they know exactly what he's going to bring to the table in limited minutes. He's such an interesting player because he has such an incredible fantasy floor with the steals and the blocks, and he offers absolutely nothing else right now. But if he ever figures all of that out, then what the heck are we doing with him outside the top 100? Moving on to round 12, it got a little bit funky. And, I mean, you took Herter at 138, which was – a pretty good pick. I think that's later than what we have him in our dynasty rankings. No problem there. Isaiah Roby went 139, which you guys should know by now how we feel about Oklahoma City Thunder players that are easily replaceable. That is Isaiah Roby. Uh, And then I took John Wall at 141, which again was just to supplement those assists and steals and a little bit of points. My field goal percentage was untouched and nobody was going to touch me in field goal percentage. So I had no problem taking a guy like John wall at 141 with the hope that he ends up getting traded and or bought out sometime this year. 
Yeah, a good mix of old and young in this round. TJ Warren, a, a notable player, went 137 in this round. So if you're looking at TJ Warren, that was where we had him. Uh, somewhat evaluated as far as this mock draft goes. A lot of that probably having to do with his most recent injury news, stating that he is out indefinitely um, as he recovers from his injury. Uh, but then we also had a couple rookies here go late. Davion Mitchell, Chris, Chris Duarte, two rookies that I am very high on both of them and, and guys that you can typically get later in your rookie drafts. And I, I love both those guys quite a bit this year. 142 and 143 for both of those guys is a little bit early, but you have to factor in that this was a 12-team mock that went to 14 rounds. It wasn't as deep as you would typically go for a dynasty draft. So from here on out, it was guys just those young teams just grabbing guys that they wanted to have on their roster to just say that they drafted them for kicks and giggles, more or less. So Round 13, Clay Thompson went at 145. It's a little bit notable there. Andre Drummond went 146. And then Xavier Tillman went 147. I did not like this pick very much. Like I said, it's tough to beat up on guys for taking taking players in the last two rounds of a 12-team because you're just drafting guys to have them rostered. But this is easily 40 spots too early for Tillman. Yeah, definitely too early for Tillman. If if you are in a startup draft, he should not be going inside the top 160, 170, in my opinion. Um, you could make an argument that he probably shouldn't have been drafted in a 14-round uh, mock draft even. So another player I didn't like in this exact round, and it's on the opposite end of the age spectrum, and that's Al Horford going at 153. I took Larry Nance at pick 148, which is probably a little bit earlier than he'll go most places, unless you get a contending team like I was. I was very happy to have some more just low-level assists, a steals, good field goal percentage, and a guy who the Trailblazers traded for. They're going to play him. They're they're doing what they can to try and keep Dame happy. You took Gary Trent at 151, which I thought was a great pick kind of guy that slid under the radar through this mock and should have plenty of opportunity up in Toronto. Yeah. Why not? Why not complete my Toronto Raptor starting lineup? <laughs> he's not big enough. So he's already been dropped. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's just at 151. Not bad. I like what he brings. And I was just trying to, at this point, trying to solidify my threes, my free throw percentage. Um, and he was the best at doing both of those at the time and his age. Uh, I liked a lot there being under 25. So uh, I don't love having all those Toronto players. So probably something I would not have done. And if I could do over, I wouldn't take four Toronto Raptors on my team. But uh, for the mock, I was I was just trying to pick guys that I would normally take in that situation. Exactly. Matt Lawson taking Moses Moody at 155. He's just doing what he does. And then he had another really good value pick, I think, and I'm sure you're going to agree, Kobe White at 158, he's a guy that it's been really, really tough to know where to put him because all of the Bulls' moves were pretty much in the backcourt. Like DeMar DeRozan is a wing, he's a forward, whatever you want to say. He handles the ball a lot. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, you know, like just a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of ball handling, not to mention Kobe White's injury to start the season. So 158... That's just more of a notable thing to talk about rather than some indication of him being earlier or later than that for most drafts. Yeah, it just kind of shows you how everything has cultivated for him and his value in, in dropping that low. 
I love the pick there. I don't think you can go wrong in taking a guy like Kobe White in the 150s. Nope. For what he can bring, he's going to come off the bench, but he doesn't need a ton of minutes. He can, if he can run that second unit off the bench, that's probably actually better for him uh, to be able to kind of keep those assists up. He's really good from the free throw line. He's going to make threes. He's going to score the basketball. We'll see how he develops on the defensive end. Who knows there? But yeah, you can't beat that value this late. And somebody that, like as you mentioned, everything is just a negative for him this offseason. There's really no positives coming out of Kobe White camp this offseason. So uh, don't let him drop too far. I know everything's not looking the brightest for him, but he's still only 21, and that's the thing you do have to keep in mind. You took Kelly Oubre at 162. I took Eric Bledsoe at 165. Both reasonable picks, and that closes out the mock draft. So looking at the projected standings, I think I've mentioned it before, but I am projected to beat just about everybody 5-4 or 6-3, except you. I will lose uh, steals to you. I am the only team that is shooting over 50% from the field, and I'm shooting 54% from the field, but I'm also shooting under 75% from the line. So that's just kind of how, how my team builds <laughs> tend to go. Exactly what you want. I mean, you want to see that you are, when you're punting, I mean, you're not messing around with that. You want to make sure that you're you're getting those stats that you need, and that just kind of shows even more so how hard you went after the, the I punt, punt this month. More, <laughs> I punt more aggressively than just about anybody who will talk fantasy, and especially when it's threes and free throws. I just I just do it so often that it's just like I can't not just go as hard as I can into rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, and subsequently turnovers against the good teams like yours, who just are all guards. But in totals, I am not projected to do very well because I have the second lowest games played of everybody projected. And that comes from guys like Jimmy Butler, Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, you know, just old guys that John Wall obviously just isn't going to play. So it's just tough to take into consideration that I'm probably going to be somewhere in the middle, able to just bludgeon people five, four, because that's how my build is. I'll probably take a couple L's in the season, just getting caught on a bad field goal week or something like that. But I don't know. I I'm pretty happy with the way my team turned out with the mock draft, especially when I knew what I was going to do as soon as I took Giannis. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you, you do what you do with your build. Uh, I'm actually extremely happy. I absolutely loved the way my team turned out. And that's, like I mentioned, I, I really only got sniped hard the one time. And other than that, everybody I wanted fell to me in this build. You know, starting with Trey Young, falling to me at seven, I guess if you could say fell to me at seven. Um, but grabbing Fox, FVV, Lonzo, perfect punt field goal, punt block build to start. And then getting those notable players we mentioned, like a Levert, Marcus Smart, Devontae Graham, guys that have huge value when you remove the field goal percentage and the blocks from their stat lines. Uh, they, they really go up in value quite a bit. So overall, very happy with everybody I, I picked. Like Just like you, it's, it's a very hard punt, uh, pretty much going after those five categories and not much room for error whatsoever. But that's just the way I like to do it. I, I think that is the way to go in these smaller 12-team leagues is 
Uh, you're not going to finish in first place probably, but once you get in the playoffs, you're a scary team to have to face. You did end up beating two teams in blocks and per game. Boucher alone. Boucher. <laughs> he'd be so traded, you, though. You know he'd be traded the he, first he two weeks be. of the season. He would as soon be. as he gets healthy, he's One gone. One good game and he'd be out of there. <laughs> so you would end up losing to three teams in a head-to-head matchup. But you are two years younger than all of those teams. So you kind of have a little bit of optimism there because obviously you're going to lose to the team that has Harden, Dame, Vooch. Mm-hmm. Like that's – you're just – accept that. That's just what it is. But he's also 29 years old for his average age. So you are three and a half years younger than his team. So, you know, that's one of those things when you're looking at these projections, if you are keeping track of them very closely through the draft, just don't get ahead of yourself and start cranking your age up to try and match those per game stats if you have an advantage in the upside side of things. Yep, exactly. You always have to take that into account even though you feel really good about your team, there's always going to be teams that go out there, take the veterans, take the value that the veterans bring at their draft positions. And they're going to dominate within, you know, the first two to three seasons. So, um, you know, don't let that sway you. I know it's really hard to get in that mindset to look three to five years down the line. Uh, it's, it's really difficult for us to do because we, we want to live in the moment. So, just try to keep that in mind. I always like to have a three to five year outlook depending upon what my team looks like at the end of these uh, startup draft or a mock draft. Without a doubt. And so that is the end of our mock draft episode. We may do one more at some point this year, depending on how the season goes. Maybe we throw a bigger league out there. Who knows? If you guys have the interest in that, let us know on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. Follow the podcast at punt intended pod. We would love to hear from you. And if there's enough interest, like I said, we will absolutely just start another one of these up and get it done before the season starts. The article for this to see exactly where everybody went with little blurbs about each round will be up on hoop-ball.com at some point here in the next week or so. Be on the lookout for that. Check out our dynasty rankings to be able to refer where people went in the draft versus where we have them ranked. Sort of a good little indicator for what to expect moving forward. And of course, thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.